Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, July 27th. Coming up, we'll sit down with beer heiress and nurse Trudy Bush Valentine, another Democratic frontrunner for the open U.S. Senate seat in Missouri. But first, some headlines. Kansas City is reporting its highest number of daily COVID-19 cases since January. KCUR's Carlos Moreno has more. The metro is averaging around 425 new infections a day, according to the latest data from the Mid-America Regional Council. That's compared to just over three months ago, when the daily average was only 56. Dr. Amber Schmidtke of the University of St. Mary in Leavenworth says she's worried that hospital beds will soon be hard to find again. Hospitalizations in the metro have doubled since May. Currently, about 100 patients are hospitalized with COVID. A statue of Atchison, Kansas native Amelia Earhart will debut today at the U.S. Capitol. The first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean will join President Dwight D. Eisenhower as the Capitol's two statues of Kansans. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports. The statue will depict Earhart in her signature look, a flight jacket, scarf, and slacks. It also includes some nods to her home state. She's wearing a belt buckle in the shape of Kansas, and her larger-than-life bronze figure stands atop a block of native limestone. Earhart will be just the 11th woman out of 100 statues in the Capitol. And Jackie Prejean, who led the statue committee, says the way Earhart broke barriers still serves as an inspiration, as the fight for women's rights continues today. I think she'd be very proud to be there, but I think she'd also say, why are there only 11 of us? For Kansans who can't make it to D.C., a second statue just like that one will be dedicated at the Earhart Hangar Museum in Atchison this fall. Missouri school districts are once again facing a substitute teacher shortage ahead of the upcoming school year. Governor Mike Parson signed a bill this month waiving the limit on how many hours retired teachers can sub while still receiving their pensions. Ron Zetcher is 82 years old and is one of those retired teachers turned subs. He wants to see the 550-hour limit gone forever. The subs who really want to sub, they'll they'll work almost every day. But you're telling them, oh, gee whiz, you know, um, we're having a hard time getting subs. But, you know, when you get that 550, you can't come here anymore. The limit on retired teacher subbing will go back into effect in July 2025. Missouri has also loosened certification requirements to try and get more subs in classrooms. Missouri Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe declared a state of emergency in Missouri yesterday following severe flooding in the St. Louis area. This allows state government to work with local agencies to help with flood relief. Record rainfall Monday night led to flash floods and hundreds of calls for rescue. Before she entered this year's race for the Democratic nominee for the open U.S. Senate seat in Missouri, Trudy Bush Valentine was best known for being a member of the family that owned a majority stake in beer company Anheuser-Busch. She's worked as a nurse and has never held public office. She told KCUR's Steve Kraske she doesn't think her family background will affect her ability to relate to everyday voters. Here's part of their conversation. You know, like so many of your fellow Democratic candidates in this race, you're a newcomer to politics. You've been in the race since May, and I'm wondering, what do you think of your new profession so far? Yes, it is a new profession, (laughs) but actually I love it because I'm out there meeting people, hearing their stories, hearing the issues they're facing and their hopes and dreams, 
and I find that so incredibly interesting. Um, I want to know people. I want to want to know who I'm working for, and that part of it I love. Love meeting with a lot of people. Love answering questions, and asking people questions also. You know, you don't need a job. So why did you want to do this? Because I I watched these past uh, couple of years, and I I I watched the news. I watched the insurrection with disbelief and horror. Our politics are broken. The divisions are so strong and horrible in our country that people and families are not talking to each other anymore, and our voting rights are being threatened. Our democracy is certainly threatened, and it's still threatened, even though we're hearing so much of what on on January 6th and before January 6th. We need to listen to the truth, and we need to go from the truth. The truth will set us free. You know, the Missouri Independent wrote a profile of you that came out about a week ago. And in it, reporter Rebecca Rivas pointed out that you're a member of the family that owned a majority stake in Anheuser-Busch until the brewing company was sold to InBev for $52 billion. The piece said uh, Forbes magazine in 2020 listed your family's wealth at $17.5 billion. That ranked as the 16th largest family fortune in the entire country. My question is, with wealth like that, how can you connect and relate with people you be representing in the U.S. Senate? Because that's what I've been doing my entire life. At the age of 13, I started volunteering in a hospital. And for a summer, my connection has been with people, the ability to listen and learn from. I grew up at Grant's Farm, where we worked with everybody on the farm. We were exposed to so much. We didn't live in a bubble, as people may think. And even if you have wealth, you people want to live with purpose and with service. And and that's what I've been doing. That's what I want to do. I never wanted to think that I had to rely on any kind of inheritance. I became a nurse, and I knew I could take care of myself. Hmm. Last month, you released a 17-point plan for strengthening the middle class, which includes raising the federal minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour, expanding options for affordable housing, and lowering the cost of medications, Trudy. Affordable housing is a huge issue in this community and in so many others, for that matter. What do you want to do on that front? Well, I think we really have to look at that. There's so many people that are homeless. In Missouri now, the governor has proclaimed that nobody could live in public areas that were homeless. Nobody could seek refuge in in public areas. And it's a big, big problem. A lot of people are homeless. A lot of people are homeless because of issues with mental health, just issues of being kicked out of their homes because they couldn't afford the mortgage, issues of being kicked out of apartments because they couldn't afford uh, the payments. We have to look at affordable housing. There are housing things that are going on all around Missouri. We're building smaller homes for people until they can get ahead and, and get into homes of their own. And so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, and two out of three families in Missouri are living paycheck to paycheck. That means that any crisis could put a pe- person out on the street. We have to help those people get ahead, get back, and be able to earn a good wage. 
Your first major uh, policy proposal focused on helping drug addicts recover by increasing payment rates to providers, offering quicker access to treatment and expanded use of telehealth. I know your connection to this issue is a personal one. Can you tell us why you're focused on, on that area? Yes. And it's a really heartbreaking story for me. Uh, because on August 18th, two years ago, my oldest son, Matt, died of a drug overdose. Uh, he had been clean for 499 days. Hmm. Uh, he went through a court program, and um, he had uh, surgery for a broken nose. And the day after that surgery, I think he just wanted to to feel better and to not hurt so much. And And his first go-to was going out and getting a drug. Uh, his body wasn't used to it at all, and everyone needs to know that. You, 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 And everyone needs to know that, especially today. Everything is laced with fentanyl. It killed him immediately. Mm. I'm really and that's sorry, why and, and thank you, Steve, but this is going on all over Missouri. Opioid epidemic, meth epidemic. We need to stop it before it starts, and we need to help people get off of these things and do as much as we can for them. And that takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of work. It takes medications that are so highly priced that people can't use them, like Suboxone and other things that keep you off of opioids. You know, also on the issue of health care, you've come out opposed to Medicare for all. This is essentially a universal health care idea. I believe you're the only Democrat in the race uh, to oppose it. I'm wondering why. Because this would be a $30 trillion um, hmm. thing to do, which is way too much. And also, so many people in Missouri and America are happy with the health care they have, and I don't want to take that health care away from them. But I think we definitely need to expand the Affordable Care Act. I think we have to do more with Medicaid, and maybe we need to to start a uh, public option uh, for people. You know, you face criticism from your opponents for refusing to, to debate them. In fact, a televised debate in St. Louis between you and Lucas Kuntz was called off after your campaign failed to respond to invitations. Why aren't you willing to debate Lucas Kuntz and your other rivals? Because I, I think there are just better ways to, for me to reach out to people, and that's by going out and talking in communities, hearing from people, listening to people, and that's what I've been focused on. But I've also been in forums with all my Democratic opponents, and so I have spoken out with them, and that's been great. I love it. I don't want to get into a knockdown, dragout fight with another person who's running as a Democrat. You know, Lucas Kuntz, uh, one of your chief rivals, we had him on the show last week. He's up on TV with an ad criticizing you for participating in something called the Veiled Profit Ball. Uh, the event is more than a century old. It was founded by former Confederate officers with costumes resembling the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. We're going back a few years here because you were crowned uh, the ball's queen of love and beauty back in 1977 when you were 20 years old, but your daughter participated in the event in 2010. Why did you participate in this, and what do you say about this attack from Lucas Kuntz? Well, uh, I guess that's politics. 
But at the time, I really did not understand the ramifications of being in that. I, um, I have apologized. I am always and have always been a champion for equal rights, and I will always be that way. You also want to eliminate the Senate filibuster. Why? Because I think nothing's getting done in the Senate with a filibuster. And this is one time that we need to to end it, and we need to end it now so that we can codify Roe versus Wade. That was Democratic Missouri U.S. Senate candidate Trudy Bush Valentine and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date on KCUR.org. By the way, we did reach out to two top Republican candidates for this race, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and former Governor Eric Greitens. Neither of them responded to emails from Kansas City Today or from up to date. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at another congressional race in Missouri coming up on August 2nd. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.